morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you, dear listeners. Welcome to Floaters. My name is Sophia, and I'm coming to you live from Studio Wardrobe. This here podcast is a lockdown hobby turned isolation creation that's just got out of hand, quite frankly. And now we're twenty-one episodes deep. Yeah, man, we're sticking with it for now. It's the longest hobby I've ever maintained, and I'm glad you're here for the ride. I'm going to jump straight in today to introduce my guest because this was a fascinating conversation、uh, with film, media, and cultural studies student Nuren, and we talked about her dissertation mainly because, guys, she's writing about TCKs in the digital age. So we had lots to talk about, and.、Um, We touched on how people are using social media to connect with other TCKs and building a sort of global nomad community.、Uh, and we talked about late onset teenage rebellion that a lot of people、um, like us experience. We also talked about the power of memes. The power of memes, for their power is very great. Nurin has such great energy. She's positive. She's articulate. And I think you're gonna like this one. As always, I began by asking Nuren where she grew up. So I grew up in Malaysia, specifically Ampang, which is an area in the capital city, I believe. <laughs> I can't quite remember, but I only lived there till I was three or four years old. And oh, here goes my long life story now.、Um, then I moved to Indonesia for a year.、Um, I hardly remember that because I was a baby.、Um, but then I moved to Finland for about five or six years, and I have more vivid memories there, like more precious childhood memories.、Um, and then now I lived in the UK for about like eleven years now, and counting. Hopefully, I don't know where I'm going next, but you know. <laughs> I mean, so that's quite an interesting mix, then. Malaysia, Ind- Indonesia, and Finland—that feels like it just came out of the sort of left field. Like, how come you、yeah. guys moved to Finland? Well, it's mostly because of my dad's job. So he works at a big、um, international media communication company. So the headquarters was in Finland. So then all of a sudden, there's a jump from like. South, yeah, south to north. So it's like really warm, hot weather. Then suddenly you're blown into the like nearest place, the North Pole. It's so cold, and like half half the season in Finland is literally snow, gloomy, dark. But like I love snow. I just love cold weather now. I guess that fits well with the British one as well, although it's a bit rainy. <laughs> But. Apart from that, I do love cold weather more than hot, and I do tend to complain more when I go back to Malaysia, which is like the first sign that I do not belong there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Like that must have been quite a shock then. That like at first, especially when you turn up to Finland, and、oh, yeah. it is a bit more damp in the UK. I will say that definitely, <laughs> definitely.、Um, so as you were going through, so、um, in Finland, were you going to international school when you were there? Yes,、yeah, so I went to a school called Rusu Comprehensive School. I still remember that.、Um, at the time, I didn't know it was an international school, but then my mom told me it's an international school. The name, the name doesn't have the word international, but it is. And so there was two streams. So there was like the Finnish stream or the English stream, and most international students、um, go through the English stream. 
And basically in Finland, education is free. Um, you don't have to pay anything. I think it goes up to university. You don't have to pay anything. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't stay till university. So, oh. <laughs> but I mean, international school was good enough exposure. And for me, one of the vivid memories I remember is I just enjoyed how um, diverse my class was. Like we were all from different countries. And like, I remember we had different flags in the back of the classrooms and like us standing behind them taking our classroom photos and like I think now having um, been taught in education here like primary school secondary school um, versus like when I was in primary school slash elementary school in Finland I can see how the education system's different Mm -hmm. And like a lot of people compare those education system because Finland is kind of seen as like one of the top countries in terms of education. And then from my experience, I can kind of see why I'm like, for example, school in Finland, I believe only it finished at three. So like I think it started at nine. No, it finished at 12. Yeah, it started at nine or seven like that. And then it finished really early at 12. And then sometimes because um, in Finland, um, ice skating, I love ice sports, really fun. So usually after class, we go straight to the ice ring as the whole class and have a little fun there. And that is such fun memories because who doesn't love to go have a little fun after class? And like it was part of school time as well. So I was thinking, is, is this really school time? But obviously I was a child, so I didn't care. I was just like, I'm just going to have fun with this, really. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'd love to have been able to do that. I mean, well, I guess the only thing that I had sort of similar maybe was in Estonia, like the same amount of snow, basically. Yeah. And then like on the weekends, you just literally, you start skiing right outside your front door. There's already like ski tracks and then you can just go down the hills and things, which is all pretty cool, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I was never much good at ice skating, mind. No, I mean, I don't think I've got the balance. I'm a bit like, you know, Bambi on the ice, sort of skidding around. <laughs> oh it's always tricky it's always tricky with snow like but like it takes time Ah, now I feel like going out in snow countries but can't really this time I know (laughs) so what uh what prompted the move to the UK then that was was that also to do with your father's job yeah it was also to do with my dad's job and I think it was also because my mom was kind of getting a bit depressed with the sad weather and there wasn't a lot of Malaysian people um so like she kind of felt a bit lonely um I mean in Finland a lot of people have very good uh, language skills so they can speak really um good English so my mom didn't have time go around that and I was a child so I could do without language and like speak with other children just not through words just playing around but I also picked up English quite quickly as a child um but then there was kind of a problem with that um so one summer holiday we went back to Malaysia and I had just like learned English I was really fluent and then my family relatives were trying to speak to me and I was like I understood what they were saying but I just couldn't reply I I had totally lost all my Malaysian Malay language and I was like oh like I was a child so I was just like um I spoke to them English back anyway and then my family were kind of like telling my mom no she no she needs to learn her Malay like because I couldn't communicate and that was already a bad uh, sign in itself so my mom as soon as she got back to Philly she's like right I'm teaching you Malay she got me all those 
books, videos, songs. And I was like, wow, this is like, it's an intense class for a six year old here. And pretty soon I picked up a little bit of Malay. Not the best grammar, I tell you that. I don't think I would <laughs> pass the test there, but good enough to have some decent conversation. Um, but my Malay is kind of like Malay plus English. So it's like Minglish, as some of us quote it, because it's like, it's not there yet, but it's, it's, it's got a bit of both there. And uh, honestly, it's just, yeah. And I think the way I kept learning more Malay and keeping in touch with my kind of cultural ethnicity identity was that I watched Malay drama growing up with my mom. And like, because we were abroad, we had to search an internet, be like, oh, this website. I mean, not to say it's totally legal, the website, <laughs> but I mean, I had to find some sort of outlet here. So then that was kind of my escape and kind of my enjoyment and keeping in touch with my cultural identity. So then when I go back home to Malaysia, I'm like, oh, did you watch this drama? And they're just like all the aunties and my grandma's like, oh, you watched that? And I was like, yes, I know. And like being like, oh, this actress, this actor is like, he's he's on top of his game right now. She's like, wow. Like I knew more than them. And I was like, I actually drew up a whole timetable. I remember drawing up a timetable to my auntie be like, okay, this drama starts this time. Uh, this is what it's called. And I was like nine or 10 at this age. And I was like, oh my God, I was so obsessed. Really. <laughs> I mean, that's a great way to connect with the culture. That's such a great yeah. way to sort of, yeah. Also show off a little bit in front of your family and be like, yeah, I know, I know this stuff. <laughs> and how, how's your Malay uh, these days? I mean, um, do you speak it a lot at home or is it like, uh, like Minglish, as you say? Oh, okay. So after that incident, my mum was like, with my dad's like, you don't speak to her in any language but Malay to my dad. My dad's like, oh, okay, okay. So then my mom made kind of a house rule, a house band, do not speak English in the house. So I only spoke English um, when I went out with my friends or go to school. And then, yeah, my, in my English, my Malay gradually got a bit better, but like, because I never like did like a full grammar lesson or a test, it's more like a casual Malay mix of Minglish again. And even when I talk with my relatives and friends, my, my mom will always be like, um, yeah, just keep in mind her Malay is not that good. So her words might be a bit chopped. Um, there's a, that's a kind of phrase we say in Malay, but I can't remember what it's called now. But like, yeah, there's a phrase to say that. And I was like, thanks mom. Because like usually they, I can tell from their face, like they're trying to understand me, but I'm, they don't really understand me. I'm like, oh, bless them. <laughs> <laughs> so does it help that your mum sort of like gets in there just before you do yeah, and just yeah. says, just by the way, guys, be nice. <laughs> yeah. Or like before any conversation I have, like someone new, if I don't have my parents, it's like, I tell them my life story, just like a short snippet be like, oh, I only lived in Malaysia for like till I was three or four. And then just like, if they, if they follow up with a question, it was like, oh, okay. Um, where do you live now or something like that? They'll be like, oh, okay. You want to go that story. And then after that life story ends, they're just like, okay, I can see where I can, I can understand why your accent's a bit weird and also you don't speak that well of a Malay, but okay, that's good enough. 
Yeah, no, it's it's always the same, isn't it? With a lot of TCKs and um, and people with different cultural backgrounds, they tend to have like the short story and the long story. And you've got to yeah. try and work out which life story you're going to tell. Like the other, other day, I made the mistake. I've met someone I'd never met before. And then they just harmless conversation. So, oh, where are you from? And because I've been doing this podcast in particular, yeah. I was like, okay, let me, let me try this out again. So I was like, okay, um, well, not, nowhere in particular. Um, it's a bit of a long story. And, and then they went, oh, well, before you get to the long story, where are you from originally? And I was like, no, 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 this is part of the story. And then I just went off on the story and this poor, oh, they just seemed so confused. I felt really bad. I was like, I should have gone for the short one this time around, but I didn't, I didn't, rookie mistake. <laughs> yeah, and like, oh, it was so sad, like trying to explain it to people, but I think as my generation or like we call ourselves like Generation Z or Z or something like that, growing up with technology really helped. So like obviously my first experience was watching online on my mom's really dodgy laptop, watching Malay dramas. And then like when social media came around, um, I started like, you know, Instagram, Facebook, reconnecting with my relatives and some of my friends and teachers from my international school. And like, he still follows me as well, which is really like kind of heartwarming in the sense that, oh, he's seen my progress and everything. And I only reconnected with uh, my teacher because my mom kept in touch with him on Facebook and like giving him updates on my progress and stuff. And I was like, I never knew that. She's like, yeah, he's keeping an eye on you. Like, he's really proud where you are. Like, he has a whole collection on his Facebook account for my class and like I saw a, like a child photo of me and I was like oh my god that is so weird but so cute <laughs> like That's just so me lovely. And my class. That's really nice I mean yeah. I guess yeah when I first got Facebook I was 13 mm. of course I lied about my age to get on it that's what you just did that's what you did right and um it was when Facebook was like just sort of coming up I guess in the UK so yeah I'm trying to think of what year that is but oh I can't remember maybe 2007 no 2009 maybe yeah mm -hmm. around that time and um all of a sudden I was connecting with people that I hadn't seen since I was like, I don't know, eight or um, since I was in Estonia. And I've still got them on Facebook, all these people, and I don't really know them at all. But it was really interesting to see like where they've all ended up. And it's not like, I mean, it's it's kind of Facebook stalking, but not really. It's kind of like just keeping tabs on each other, seeing what's going yeah. on. And it's a really nice way to stay connected and something that I didn't quite appreciate until quite recently. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, uh, oh, before we get into that though, um, would you like to talk some more about your wonderful dissertation? You're actually writing about something very interesting along these lines. Okay, so my dissertation topic is basically, it's titled like the digital lives of adult third culture kids and how we kind of develop our sense of identity and sense of belonging through like our interaction through the internet and social media. So that's why I kind of talked about like how growing up watching Malay dramas on the internet helped me with my um, ethnic and cultural identity because I didn't realize how important that was and how uh, my mom's like actions in doing that helped me kind of felt more sense of belonging towards my Malay identity. Because um, growing up, I realized I, I had a sort of like an identity crisis, especially when people ask me where you're from. And I'm like, 
Well, I'm a bit of like, I look certain way, but I'm also not from that place because I have a mixed heritage on my dad's side. So like uh, one of my dad mixed heritage is like um, Chinese. So I look more Chinese and like some people mistake that for me before. And I was like, oh no, I'm not Chinese. And they're just like, oh, and it's like, oh, you're from Malaysia. It's like, yeah. And it's just like, where's Malaysia? And I'm like, okay, I'm the geography teacher here, right? Okay. <laughs> and then just like, okay, so where in Malaysia did you live? And I was like, I mean, I was born here and then I kind of lived in Finland. It's like, oh, you lived in Finland. It's like, um, I mean, I lived in multiple places in Finland and it goes into a whole life story. And I'm like, whew, that's complicated. And so apart from like growing up watching different Malay dramas and connecting on social media helped me to like discover also adult theater culture kids as well. And like seeing all the memes and podcasts and all that kind of prompt me to think about my dissertation and be like, it would be a really good idea if I could also share their story and me sharing my story as well, because it helps both of us kind of figure out where we, lo- where we belong in the world as well. And that we're not alone, you know, we do have a sense of belonging in this kind of TCK community and the fact that it's all online is kind of convenient especially during these times as well um, but it's also nice that you can connect with people from across the whole world and like people with even different backgrounds can just relate to different situations like I saw this uh, meme this other day where it was like when the pass when the passport um, says like where were you in the last five years? And I'm like, oh, that that's a tricky question. And then I just put down a quote in the comment, like me looking at the very few spaces, white spaces and thinking, this is not going to fit in this whole list of like form. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's so funny. And like, I realized when growing up, I enjoyed watching a lot of Asian drama. So I grew up watching a lot of, um thai drama indonesian dramas um chinese dramas taiwan hong kong like the whole of southeast asia and now korean drama which is like on the rise with k-pop and korean music and when i went to university um i that was the first thing that connected me with a lot of international students i was just like oh do you watch this you know chinese dramas or like korean dramas and they're just like shook they're just like oh you know this and like me pronouncing the names and everything they're just like wow like yes like you you would not expect that from someone who looks like me and they're just like you really know your stuff here and I was like yeah and I realized how me keeping in touch with like online dramas and like um, social media helped me to connect with um, kids who were like international students or cross-cultural experience so that helped me in my role uh, at university because I'm also like a kind of class president for my class so I kind of got elected and my kind of go-to selling point was like I'm a both home student and an international student and I was like I mean I'm a home student because I lived here for about like 11, 10, 11 years so I know how the education system's like how um, people work here and all. But I'm also an international student who's just like you, who's still trying to figure out how to go around 
and like communicate with people as well. So then that was kind of my ground to how um, I kind of got elected because people trusted me um, to kind of see from their both point of view, which really played a huge part as well for when um, I got my part-time job as well for the university as like a digital content ambassador. So like I, the content I produce for the university is for all prospective students. So it would be like international students, home students. And like my approach was that I wanted to um, help international students as much as possible as well and try and see from their perspective what they didn't expect to see and like what they would have liked to know about the university. Because sometimes they get here and they realize nobody told me I should have brought this or nobody told me that the plug here is different, like that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's interesting what you say about um, social media and stuff and, and also connecting with the, with the um, TV shows and things because yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm 27 and when I was growing up, we didn't have a lot of that. We had, um, you know, you sort of, your, your lifeline to a particular culture was cut off sort of, if you like, the moment you left. So mm. it, it was this sort of like all these different sort of cultural gaps in time. Yeah. And so I know a bit of like this kind of culture from this time and this bit. And like there's bits in the UK that I'm missing. Like people will talk mm. about a kids TV show or something. Yeah. And I have no idea. It's completely goes over yeah. my head. And um, and now, yeah, with, with the rise of the internet and social media, and I didn't realise up until very recently, like before starting this podcast, how much of a network there is out there for mm-hmm. or people called um, who identify as TCKs or even if uh, you're a cross-cultural kid. And yeah, I've really just jumped on that train and gone, great, I'm not the only one. Fantastic. And also like me talking about it now, my sisters had never heard of the term either, third culture kids. So they're sort of discovering it at the same time. And we're all feeling a a little bit more secure in our identity. (laughs) But like, I think we'll always have that sort of, where are we exactly from? I mean, because, and also with the internet, I was going to say, um, I guess people who have family abroad or have moved around a lot um, when COVID hit and everyone started using Zoom and Skype a lot more, I have a feeling that a lot of people, yeah, with family abroad or who've traveled a lot were like, we've got this down. We've been using (laughs) this video chats for a long time. Like it's going to be fine. (laughs) It's going to be fine, everyone. (laughs) So family chats are like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, family Zoom chats or Skype chats, they're always quite chaotic, aren't they? But everyone else is discovering it for the first time this year. Um, But on that note, actually, I wanted to ask, like, so you've been living in the UK for a while now and you've still got your strong ties to your Malay heritage. I Mm. wonder when someone asks you, like, where you're from, what your short answer is, because do you just say, oh, I'm from, like, just down the road? Or what's what's your what's your go to? Oh, it depends on the person and how much time I feel like they'll be devoted to me. Like if I feel like they're in a rush or it's just a polite question, like a casual chit chat, then I'll be like, um, if it's a Malay person, I'll be like, oh, I was born in Malaysia in Ambang. And they're just like, oh, okay. And then they move on. And I'm like, okay, okay. I don't want to explain that. Um, but if it's like someone from the UK or just as in other any other students, I'll be like, oh, I'm from... Um, Milton Keynes was is a town down south and they're just like oh okay because it's sometimes normal for students to be living in the UK for a long time so I get away with that so then I don't have to explain my long life story so it's short and short. 
That's good. That's good. I like the options. You've got to keep the options open. Um, And I wonder in certain situations, do you find yourself like um, identifying strongly with more like one, I want to say not identity, I'd say maybe cultures, identifying more with like a culture, um, one culture more than the other, like in certain situations, like for example, for me, I've said this on the podcast before, sorry if you're a regular listener, but um, like recently, especially in the UK with all the Brexit stuff going on, and I've got such a mixed European heritage. Mm -hmm. My grandparents are all abroad in Spain and Germany. And when that happened, I felt the strongest pull to my European roots all of a sudden. And Mm -hmm. I felt so like, I felt more of an outsider here again, which is weird because of course, like, you know, I sound like this, I'm a white woman, like, (laughs) of course I pass, right? I'm but at the same time, it's this sort of uneasiness. And, and recent, more recently, I've been feeling, yeah, a bit more of a connection to those places, although I'm not entirely at home in those places, if that makes sense. Yeah. I wonder if you have ha- had moments like that where you've, your, yeah, your cultural sort of, uh, oh, no, there's a word for this, Sophia. Allegiance, that's what I'm going for. Your cultural uh, allegiance, okay. <laughs> like where it wavers a little bit. Ooh. Growing up when I was young, I tried really hard like really hard to connect to my Malay roots. So like whenever there was a school project, I would go into like doing, trying to practice Malay arts, um, painting and drawing. And I still have them in my bedroom, I think. No, not the best, I I would have to admit. (laughs) Um, But still I tried. And like growing up, I um, read books around like, Malay folk stories so you know how different countries have like mystery stories or like ghost stories so I read into those kind of books and then now I realize that um, I kind of have to accept that I'm kind of a bit of everywhere so my culture is like a puzzle so like I accepted that growing up in the west in different countries in Malaysia in Malaysia in Finland in the UK it kind of made my mindset a bit more like a westernized mindset but i also mixed it with a bit of my eastern culture background from malaysia and so i had to find a way to mix those kind of cultures up and that kind of ended with a lot of kind of conflicts with my parents as well because we had different mindsets different upbringing so sometimes it was hard for me to communicate with them what I was trying to say or explain because the culture is so different that I had to learn it myself. Like I had to learn the difference and be like, look, I know you come from this background and you think like this and this, but I grew up um, being in a background where I can question why things happen or like it's more important to find myself or like that. So then my parents gradually had to adapt themselves and learn as well along with me be like, okay, so we can't expect her to be like us. Um, They realized that early on because they can't win all fights. I mean, not all all fights like that. So then eventually we came to kind of a standoff, like we'll try to understand you and you try to understand us. So for me, my culture kind of, my cultural upbringing between different countries helped me to realize that um, it's better for me to kind of compromise and negotiate like where I feel comfortable with and also where my parents feel comfortable with. So then I feel that we're both at the same kind of platform 
and same understanding. So that was really nice. And I think I'm still undergoing that process of like where my cultural um, upbringing or uh, alignment, <laughs> as you call it, is but it's a journey that I'll probably have for the rest of my life and hopefully I'll get to experience other cultures as well when this whole pandemic's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're totally right. It, it is a, it's a lifelong project, isn't it, of trying yeah. to resolve that, uh, that inner crisis. I mean, I don't know if that's the right word. Maybe it is the right word. <laughs> Inner sort of crisis <laughs> that you have sometimes. Um, and uh, it's good that, I mean, it's great that you're, you, you've come to this sort of agreement with your parents as well in this kind of place of understanding, because um, I wonder, like, when did that take place, that sort of, those sort of discussions? Was it when you were in Finland or was it more sort of when you'd arrived in the UK? It was more when I was arrived in the UK. So like when I was a teenager, um, I could finally rebel because like I realized early in the book it said how like the culture kids tend to have a delayed adolescence rebellion and in my early 20s right now I'm still having that rebellion because I realized early on growing up in multiple countries moving around I've always had to adapt so being that chameleon um, so then I never really and also I'm an only child um, in an Asian family as well so the, there's a very strict system of like you have to like follow what I say so I didn't really have much space to explore and like explore my identity and like where I felt I belong I just felt like I needed to adapt wherever I went so um, growing up in UK when I finally had like a solid route in some ways where I had friends who I could call childhood friends. Like I've always jealous people like, oh, I had a childhood friend. And now I'm be like, yes, our friendship has passed that seven years. <laughs> I can call you my childhood friend now. Um, so yeah, that was really nice. Yeah, and that's so true about the teenage rebellion, isn't it? I think I'm going through mine now. I've really, <laughs> I've really waited a long time to get round to it, or maybe it's been going for a little while. Um, but yeah, it's that sort of adaptability, and you just you're following, you know, your parents' rules and instructions, and it's like, yes, okay, time to pack the bags again, or um, go to that school. Of course, yes. What else am I gonna do? <laughs> and then um, I suppose yeah, once you're a bit more settled, it's like you're able to yeah spread your belongings out a bit more and get a bit more comfortable put the suitcase away and then start to sort of yeah make yourself a bit more at home and and within yourself because you need that space you need that space to be yeah. a bit more creative and express yourself because I mean that's what the teenage years are for or that sort of phase of your life is definitely for um yeah. and uh yeah so um I wonder as well when was the first time you heard the uh the term TCK Mm. So I heard it in my was it first or second year of university. So I study film, media and cultural studies. Um, and the film side of it helped me. Well, we watch all kinds of films around the world, really, which is really nice, which fits in with how my cultural upbringing um, is. And I think I heard it from my friend. And during second year, I was just about in my class um, and let me think. Oh, it was about, it was the season where everyone was thinking about their dissertation. Like everyone knows the dissertation is coming and like they need to think of a topic. And at that time I was like, I'm so brain dead. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. I was so stressed out. I had, I had that 
second year student burnout moment and then that's when my friend told me about that and I thought okay I'm, I might just read it for fun you know it might just be you know something that somewhat relates to me but then when I read the book um, I actually still have the book here but like it totally resonated with me and I was like right I can see I can see who I am now and like it kind of helped me of how I can deal with the certain kind of like unresolved grief or losses I felt like like how I mentioned friendship as well uh, as well like I realized I find it difficult to like it's it's easy for me to make friends like I can make friends with a total stranger like hi and all that but then it's hard for me to like see if this friendship is gonna last or like I have this anxiety like if is this is this a friendship that like are you my friend here and like um, like if they see me as a good friend as well, like some friends, I realize they text each other and go social media quite often. And like me, I'm like, I rarely do that. But like when I take the time to talk to you, we'll be talking all day long here. So then it's like, okay, different friendships are like that. So I found relationship hard to like uh, establishing and maintaining them. But then I realized everyone has their different forms of friendship. And it's really important to communicate that to your like friends as well. Like it's not all happy, happy moments. You got to go through those rough bits as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I totally relate to that, actually. It's uh, yeah, it's how, how do you sustain a friendship for that amount of time? Yeah. Um, especially when you're used to like picking up your bags and going again mm-hmm. and and um and yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. It's like, if I pick up the phone to a friend, we will be on the phone for like two hours, three hours, maybe just to get that all out yeah. make sure we've covered every single topic. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and it's something in my, in my adult life, I've really sort of come to realize that I, yeah, I need to be a bit more patient perhaps, and maybe yeah. not be so intense. I have the ability to be quite intense in friendships as well. Cause I think, okay, friend, we're friends now. Let's go <laughs> do all the friend things. Um, when actually it's okay. You can chill out. Cause I, I'm not going anywhere right now. I mean, no yeah. one's going anywhere right now. Thank you, Miss COVID. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's interesting that uh, that's something that a lot of TCKs seem to seem to go through this sort of how mm. to make, uh, how to sustain longer friendships and relationships. Um, and um, But uh, it's great as well that someone brought that to your attention. I mean, it must have been sort of almost mind-blowing in a way to be like, oh, my God, I, th- th- I'm i like that. I'm that person. Yeah. So, like, when so when I started this, my dissertation and discovering more um, adult third culture kids or third culture kid outlets, like online communities, I was like, I'm joining this community, like, seeing all those memes, seeing all those stories and people making videos and like other content creators who, who also, oh, I cannot speak, uh, who also come from like different cultural backgrounds and sharing their stories through like film, podcasts and all that. I felt like, okay, I found, I found people who are sharing, trying to share their story as well. Cause it's, it's not easy trying to explain it. And it's not like, it's, it's not like bragging or anything. It's just that you just want to, it's just a fact of my life that I just want to get it out there and like deal with it and be like, okay, yes, this is how I am. You're not alone. And the fact that a lot of people more and more like do more social media work, online communities, I felt like it's an interesting topic. And also like, I wonder how people going through their personal identity journey 
through all this exposure and social media online. And like, I wonder how you started the podcast and like, how has your kind of identity gone after like going through all these kind of podcasts? Um, yeah, well, I guess I'm a bit more resolved than I was, but it's been mm. interesting to like, because there are times where I sometimes feel like a bit of a fake TCK because I went to boarding school and and I didn't go to all the international schools. I went to one international school. So it's it's feeling like an imposter in that sort of imposter syndrome anyway, like yeah. that I think all TCKs have. It's like an added le- layer that I really don't need. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm starting to feel more like like I said before, like I really want to connect a bit more with my my other heritage um, mm. and uh, heritages, uh, plural, and um, and I'm realizing how much I missed out on because I wasn't so connected to those things. Um, and I think it's also because I'm a second generation TCK. My dad's also mm-hmm. a TCK, so he is used to like assimilating cultures fully and uh, just going with it. And I think we've all learned from that as well. And um, and my mum sort of did a good job at that as well when she left Germany, she sort of assimilated, you know, the UK culture, she learned English and then we traveled all around. So Mm. she's really adaptable. So um, yeah, it's been a really interesting journey for me to sort of come to this point of like, oh, but maybe I have missed out. And, but that's okay as well. If I'm not, you know, if I'm not fluent in German or if I'm, I don't know every single word in Spanish or I don't know exactly where, um, you know, my grandparents were from, but it's okay. Cause it's like, how can you expect it to know all of these things? You can't be that perfect person who's like yeah. so connected. And I think, yeah, maybe it's that pressure. I've just been working with the pressure that I put on myself. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, cause I think I'm totally responsible for all of it, but I'm not, yeah, it's just working with that and trying to alleviate the pressure. And I wanted to share something with you. Um, I came across a definition recently uh, and I think it really applies to TCKs and it's a word, um, I hope I pronounced this correctly. Um, it's exolansis. Exolansis. Um, I could put it in somewhere in the show notes for this because <laughs> it's a weird one. But it's uh, so the definition is the tendency to give up trying to talk about an experience because people are unable to relate to it, whether through envy or pity or simple f- foreignness, which allows it to drift away from the rest of your life story until the memory itself feels out of place, almost mythical. And I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> that long definition. I was like, I'm feeling it more and more as it goes on. I was like, oh, wow. It's not, it's not the word for it. I was like, that's a special word for it. I'll be throwing that and I'll be like, yeah, I'm feeling this. And they'll be like, you what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's one for your dissertation there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. So how are you getting on with your dissertation? Like what's the time frame and, uh, and uh, when are you, yeah, when are you due to, to finish that one off? Well, it's due in late April. So during this time, it's more about me doing podcasts with other um, third culture kids and like also uh, my own kind of reflection. So after this podcast, I'll probably do a little blog like, so this is what we talked about. This is how um, I felt about like, in my journey of identity and belonging as well and like more in place or something like that and so yeah my dissertation is in the I kind of did it late I planned it to do early but then a lot of things in life came kicking in being like no no <laughs> so now I'm fully focused on my dissertation 50 50 I have other things going on right now <laughs> like I'm 
a film producer for a short film for my Malaysian society. So that's interesting doing in a pandemic. So it's a bit tricky, but it's like a, it's a fun thing. And it's like when you're in your final year, you just want to go all out. So then I just like, let's just do it. You know, my dissertation, the short film, and it's for a film festival for the Malaysian society, which is the whole of the UK. So all the Malaysian societies across the UK are submitting a short film. And so we're doing one as well. So I felt like that's really proud and kind of does a tick to my kind of Malay heritage as well. And like it, it felt nice as well to connect with kind of like mono places, like people from Malaysia specifically. So that kind of helped me feel more rooted in my identity and hanging out with them. I picked up a few slangs and maybe a few accents as well. I still can't lose my American accent from when I'm, when I lived in Philly in international school. Like even my British friends, I just like, you still have an American accent. I'm like, I can't help it. <laughs> I tried. Do you know, I think you've got more of a, like a, like a, maybe it's a traditional TCK accent actually, because lots of the, lots of TCK seem to sound like they're somewhat American, but then there's also something else thrown in. You're not sure yeah. what, but it's like the sort of, yeah, global sort of accent. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, I love accents. I'm just like, oh, I hear a bit accent there. I feel whenever people speak different language and accents, I'm like, I'm so intrigued. I'm like, can you speak that again? They're just like, <laughs> but then when they hear back to me, I feel the same way as well. Like, what do I say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, believe it or not, I used to have an American accent way, way, you know, a thousand years ago. Um, and then, of course, I got to the UK. And as you can tell, I was just like, no, can't can't do that anymore. And I just uh, and and here we go. Here we go. The full full English experience right here, right here. Um, but uh, so that's really exciting for you that you um, you're part of the the film festival and um, great that you're being able to sort of contribute as well to your your cultural heritage and being part of that community. And that's so exciting. Is there anywhere that um, people listening might be able to go watch the film once it's out? Oh yeah, so we'll be creating our social media account soon. So I'll send that to you when it's up because right now it's just bare nothing right now. <laughs> because like, I think um, we're not really posting anything till we've actually finished the shoot. We have so many footage. I'm just like, as a producer, I'm just like, I'm glad I'm not the editor here. <laughs> <laughs> but I will, it's definitely uh, out there soon. Um, at the moment, the film festival is called Malaysian Student Film Festival. So mm -hmm. you can find it on um, Instagram. Um, they regularly post updates as well about what's going on. And like um, they'll be doing a virtual film festival in June. So they're doing it rollout week by week, I believe, where they roll out the different films online. And like I think it's on Facebook so people can buy tickets and watch it. So my parents and my family will all... Oh, We'll all get to watch it as well. <laughs> oh my god! So like all your family around the world as well—they're all going to tune yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like brilliant. my cousins from Switzerland, my family in Malaysia. Oh my god! It's a the time zones as well. Keep in mind of that as well. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I suppose that's something that COVID's actually been quite good for. Um, you know, because now everything is online. More people can participate and have a and and see your performances and 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 films. And while well, mm. that might be nerve wracking, obviously, of course. <laughs> I hope there's no technical problem. That's all I hope. Technical problems. <laughs> fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All goes well. <laughs> 
Um, so uh, I'll round off the uh, our chat today. And I usually always ask someone um, if there's anything they'd like to plug. Now, I know um, you've just plugged your films, but it could be anything. It could be like, um, you know, a film you've watched recently or uh, a food you enjoy. Someone once plugged, uh, a couple of people have plugged countries that they quite like. So it could literally be anything. But is there anything today that you would like to plug? Mm, well, I second year, um, I think it's common for a lot of second year where we all wanted to travel. So I made a whole, it was my first time for me to travel with my friends abroad, Malay, Malaysian friends specifically, um, to Prague, to um, Budapest, all the nice places. Then COVID came and hit me. So I would say as soon as this COVID pandemic is less worsened or like we can travel more, I'll be out there taking a couple months off just to travel. And for all the other people out there, do that. Just, you know, as soon as it's possible, travel because there's so many cultures to learn and experience. It's part of growing up. And whilst we're still young, we should do it. Let's go. <laughs> Definitely. Seize the moment. Seize the opportunity. I'd also like to remind listeners that Neurin is graduating this summer. So if you are looking for someone who is creative, talented, self-starter, well-read, hardworking, and you'd like that kind of a person to join your business or company, Neurin is your girl. So be sure to check out on the show notes. I've popped uh, her Instagram handle there and ways to contact her. You can check out her blog as well. I've also put that in the show notes, which is a supporting uh, document to her dissertation. And um, please check that all out. As always, as well, please like, rate, review, comment and subscribe to all the things. And if you want to keep up to date with all things floaters, we are on Instagram and we are on Twitter. If you'd like to send us a longer email, you can get in contact with us via um, uh, uh, floaterspod at gmail.com. That's the email address. And um, there's nothing left to say other than thanks once again to Neuron for chatting with me. And uh, oh, and best of luck with your dissertation. I hope it all goes well. It's a very exciting time. Uh, thanks to Adora for your help with graphics. Thanks to Aral for your sound help. And thank you to you, dear Dear listener, absolute gems, every single one of you. Until next time, bye-bye.